Welcome to How We Hire, a podcast by Alva Labs. With me, Tove Handel. And me, Linnea Bivan. This show is for all of you who hire or just find recruitment interesting. Every episode, we will speak to thought leaders from across the globe to learn from their experiences and best practice within hiring, building teams, and growing organizations. Hi, and welcome to another episode of How We Hire with Nitove and Linnea, of course, is here as well. But today we have a guest with us, Anna Holmqvist. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> My name is Anna. I've been working with um, HR and people for, I would say, a little bit more than 15 years. But I love what I do. Uh, I love to work with uh, enable or releasing potential in both like business, organization and people. I Mm. think that's a brilliant combination. I think I've been given the opportunity to see a lot. I think I have a quite spread with the industries I've been in. So I've been in tech, I've been in finance, I've been in Mm. telecom. Uh, in retail and now e-com. So I think that is has given me a pretty broad um, toolbox, but always with the focus or on the talent side. And now I am chief people at Mott Smart Potatoes since uh, a month ago. So joining, getting ready to take the next big step in our, our journey here. Super so. exciting. And I mean, the journey that you're on with uh, Motatos or Motsmot is yep. super exciting for a lot of reasons. I mean, you're you're saving the world in, in some sense, right? Tell us a little bit about what the company does, just so that everybody yes. has a little bit of a view on that. So we'll call ourselves a different kind of food store. The business model is really about saving food that otherwise would get um, wasted, And that's a huge problem for the environment and in order for us to reach the climate goals. So that's what we do. And then we sell it on our own platform for a very good price. You can also save a little bit, not only save the planet, but also save your wallet. So super proud to be able to to work at a company that does something good. And I think also to make sustainable choices for everyone. I think in a lot of industries, it's like you need to pay more to do the smart choice. And I think this is something that we actually can offer to everyone to do a smart choice. And in terms of, I mean, the different industries you've been in, you've been in large corporations like H&M, you've been in like the tech industry, as you said, and like startup world, scale-up world. Would you say like the way you worked within recruitment and just people in general, have that been widely different or you see that there's been like clear similarities of, okay, but all of my organizations that I've worked for have still done things pretty much the same way or had the same challenges. I think if we focus on recruitment, I would actually say that the challenges are pretty similar. I think the hardest part is like, how do you find the time to invest to do a really good job before you start? So you know what you're looking for, like same problem, no matter where you are or how do you fight the bias and make people to understand that and use the tools and not, you know, fast forward the process because you're stressed and the stress of not having the person in place and how that impacts your recruiting. I think those like big challenges, they are the same no matter where you work. I think and that's I think, like really interesting and just diving into, because I think like yeah. one of the, to some extent, like biggest challenges might not be 
that you don't have the know-how or you know the processes or stuff like that in within your like TA team. But the biggest challenge is when you need to involve the hiring manager yeah. and they have like such different demands. Like what's your tricks up your sleeves to make yeah. that work well? I think making it outspoken expectations on our managers. Like yeah. part of your job is to find and grow talent. So it's that is clear and that's like you cannot become high performing managers if you don't invest time in finding talent. I think that's important if that's the strategy you have as a company. But if you yeah, believe in that, that should be clear. And then I think we put a lot of effort in the partnership. Mm-hmm. So we don't end up in like supply and demand, like, okay, I'm the manager and I and I put an order into TA and yeah. then I wait for the product. So more yeah. like from the beginning, like we're doing this together. You mm-hmm. need my help. I need your help. And I put a lot of power in that. And then I think I believe a lot in like keeping it as simple as possible. The things that we actually do that fronts the organization always think user friendly and user experience. Yeah. So it's not like super good for us in the TI team, but no one else like wants to work in it. So really, yeah. really use that kind of like who is the user of the things that I offer. And I think we try to do the same thing, as you said, like setting super clear expectations. Yeah. But then reality always happens. I mean, I'm sure it's the yeah. um, you know, yeah. same in your organizations yeah. that, yeah, I'm super committed to doing this process. And then all of a sudden, I don't have the time. Because we, we've tried different strategies, but like we always do like Friday check-ins and, and like summaries of what's happened yeah. during the weeks where everyone's up to date. But sometimes you need to be like super speedy yeah. to not lose the candidate. How yeah. have you handled that? I think one thing that we haven't started yet, but uh-huh. we're going to test, is to have almost like a recruitment team out in the organization. So like for tech, who could be part of the recruitment process? So the higher mansion don't always get to be the bottleneck. Nice. Train them. We get them yep. like you on this part of the recruitment process. So That's I'm cool. really keen to see if that plays out well, because I think like, then people get like, wow, I get to develop, I get to learn new stuff, exactly. I get mm. new responsibility. I think that's a positive thing in the organization. And the hiring managers can use their time in like different steps in the in the recruitment process. I think that's one good thing. And then of course, like from the TI teams, like how can we optimize as much yeah. as possible? Of yeah. course. But I think I'm going to test that one. So so that's cool. But Super exciting. Yeah. And you need to come back and tell us how, 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 how it went. Because <laughs> I think we, we've done not that, but like a version, I guess. Because I mean, we also yeah. have hiring teams and we try to involve yeah. people that are not just a manager to yeah. review, you know, cases yeah. and work sample yeah. tests and do interviews yeah. and stuff like that. But sometimes when it you know, comes to like, okay, the decision needs to be made now. Someone else yeah. is pulling yeah. that candidate. And I think if you can like manage to distribute that decision making, that would be super interesting nice. to be continued. <laughs> yeah, to be yeah, continued to be for sure. <laughs> How many are you right now, Anna, at uh, Mutatos? What's much? I think we are closer to 230. We're going, we're going to launch in UK soon. So it's a small team there. We are in Germany, we are in Finland, Denmark, and Sweden. And in Sweden, we have our own warehouse for the Nordic as well. We're also in that like phase of 
know, opening up new offices, how, or maybe this was a little bit before your time, but share what you know, what was your like strategy to like, who do we hire? Like, where do we put feet on the ground? What types of roles? I think that's one of the biggest learning from like launching in Germany and taking that into the UK that of course we have loads of smart people who has launched in, in the Nordics before right. Germany, but that lack of feet on the ground. Mm. Right. So in UK, we staffed up the team before we got started. So we have ones to hold, someone to hold it together. We have a sourcing person on the ground because oh, really? partners. We have marketing on the ground. Mm. Uh, so we have a small team. A brilliant. I'm so proud of the competence that we have. Mm. Not mm. even existing in the UK. But I think that's one of the biggest learning. Like we need to have feet on the ground. We need to stay mm. close partners and to the customers and I also think like how to be able to scale fast I think like to hire someone to have someone there who actually you can meet and you can come to the office and see like it does exist this company mm-hmm. I think that will scale faster and and be more attractive so it sounds like you did what sales marketing and to some extent like TA on the ground before you actually yeah. started officially yeah. yeah interesting and was that something then that like given the Nordics did you, I mean, going back and yes, you weren't in place then, but the strategy was a different in the Nordics than it was for, for Germany and the UK or like now that you're thinking back. Yeah, I think it, in the Nordics, we do have a lot of function where we actually can see that we can, you can use for all the markets because Sweden is the biggest market, but still we have a customer base that's similar. So we have more functions that actually can be here in, here in Stockholm at the head mm. of the office that we can use for our countries. So I think for us, that was a big step going into Germany because it's such a different market and it's so big and it's got mm-hmm. so much potential and the UK is the same. Uh, so I think here we have to also like take the learnings, but also understand that like we're doing something new with this yeah. disrupting the food industry now in Germany and it's that yeah. huge. So yeah. I think also like, we have to bring in the learnings, but also be brave and start going back to that test phase again. Startup within a startup to some extent. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. That is fascinating. In terms of like recruitment, I mean, yes, recruiting certain people to to start in the different yeah. markets, but have you recruited like locally or has it more been like you've moved people from other offices to start on the ground? No, we actually hired locally because mm. I think that's a part of us growing into a global company that mm. I think that's one of the the biggest thing is I take with me from working in larger companies, like how can we be smart already now to not become like we're the head office in Stockholm yeah. and then we mm. have the small local offices and they're like out there and, we, you know, we start to build different companies. Like how do you build a like truly global organization? Mm. I think it's something that we have to like in all the decisions that we make now. Okay. Do we think globally or do we think Swedish? I think that was like one of the things that, we need to hire locally, but then I see great opportunities being a global companies that mm. if people want to work in different countries, we might be able to make that happen in the future. Right. But I think for now, we need more diversity. So let's mm. use that opportunity that we are in, in new countries and, and find people there. How would you say the like recruitment process would differ from the different markets if you have like a well-known brand that you do in Sweden compared yeah. to, I guess, a not so well-known brand in, yeah. in new markets, how do you yeah. work differently? Yeah, of course, it has been 
a lot of networking in the new markets where we don't exist. So a lot from like people we know or the first person with feet on the ground mm. or using our brilliant investors and mm. or who knows someone. Mm. So I think that has been one and then a lot more search. I think that has been one of one of the tricks. But then, you know, if you get that in there, I think that's one of the things to maybe get the manager more involved as well. If you mm. learn that, like, okay, it's my responsibility to use my network, you already have them in there. That's really, really nice. I'm super curious, like roughly speaking, like what does your process look like? We're actually just creating it, to be honest. <laughs> super. That's great. I love when it's in the starting point. Really good tools, of course, and, and great people, but we're actually looking into like what are the, the phases that we want to go through? Mm. How can we make it strong and with high quality, but still right. agile? And so, on. Mm. so we're about to launch it, but we have based it on to change the mindset to like, how do I collect data to make the most informed decision? The basic is like, how do we avoid the gut feeling thing? But how do we do that? So we have the steps with like tests. We have cases one more culture personality interview uh, mm-hmm. and then more skill sets interview. And we have one step with a little bit more and meeting with the team. So, mm-hmm. so I think in general, a pretty basic, but a good process. One good thing that we're doing that is that we're removing references from nice. the data input. And what was like, like the main, because we, we don't use references either. What was your main reason for removing that or that you will remove it it was my brilliant ta team who said yeah. like why do we take that mm-hmm. we focus a lot on references and we focus a lot on um like the later part in the process you know what i yeah. mean like mm-hmm. past experience references yeah. we don't focus so much in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and we want to switch that over and i haven't really thought about it like mm-hmm. i understand somewhat that references is super subjective mm. and a bit of like almost a play in the process like you call yeah. me I say this like you know that I'm going to say this and so on yeah. but when, when we really talked about it, it's like it's fine is if a manager wants to call in references to right. learn something in the coaching but to really like it's not data that we use in the decision making that also sounds like a good I think middle ground, because what usually happens is if the TA team is really forward thinking, right, they might want to remove references, but then managers kind of fight back because they're so used to doing that. But by kind of minimizing the weight of it, at least like they get the security of still being able to call a reference if they want to, but without it weighing into the decision. That's a, that's a genius move, I would say. Yeah. Let's agree. It's not um, facts. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed any differences when you've recruited in different markets on this? Because I know, I mean, in Sweden, reference checking is changing a lot. So the way we do it changes. A lot of organizations are challenging if you should do it or not. But have you noticed a difference in, for example, Germany or the UK? To be fair, I wouldn't say that I know. So I'm going to come back in that one as well. (laughs) But I do think that this mindset of like, collecting data to make mm. a good decision. Mm. I think that's where, where most countries are moving into. I would agree. I think in my opinion, mind, uh, thoughts, I think 
the way that hiring has been done has been a lot of like, you know, you check a CV, you see if that person is similar to yourself, you do a couple of interviews. If you are, or back in the days, if you were forward leaning in recruitment, you did a lot of interviews. Mm. So you met several people of the team and everyone had a say and then you did some references and maybe a case, maybe threw in some tests at the end when you already knew who you wanted, which I think you had so many steps because it was also yeah. like more the, the employer's market. So there were yeah. more candidates available yeah. for job openings. So you could kind of waste the candidate's time for you to gather as much information as possible. But no one really questioned, am I gathering like new information in each yeah. step? Or am I just like not wanting to make a decision on my own, uh, but rather like have someone else to um, take a bullet for it if it's if it's the wrong yeah. hire? Where I think we are to some extent more aware now of okay, different methods will help in different ways, but also that we need to be way more careful about like our own time and especially yeah. like the candidate's time. So every method or every like step of the process really needs to count I guess so I would I would echo and I mean collecting data in every step sounds like a really really good approach to also like make sure there's alignment across the organization and as you said with hiring managers but also within the team like what is the actual purpose of us doing this so gather this specific data point and then we can use it in this specific way, being new in your role as well, or like a month back. Is this one of those parts that you're most excited about in the journey that you're now beginning? Or is it something completely else that's also like, yes, this is super exciting. I have my dream job, so I'm mm. super excited about everything. But we're coming into phase now where we're also, I think, managers, but I would say most employees want to learn new stuff. So I feel no resistance. Do you know what I mean? I think we're going to end up there because it will be the prioritization of time. Mm. But for now, I have the sense that we are like, yes, we want to try new things. We want to do this. So I think like I'm very excited about that. So I think I have a couple of since this is like my second scaling journey, I think I have a couple of, of like building blocks within the people right. area that I want to put in place because I think that will help us scale and run so much faster. I think the TA and the processes and the tools around that is key because mm. we're growing. Mm. So I think like, can we take better decisions faster? That will help us so much growing. But I do think that we have to also have to focus on like, it's not only how many people we can get in and sign a contract, but also like, how do we get them up and running? So start mm-hmm. like measuring and looking into that part. It's like, okay, manager, you might be able to hire five people. You know, I put my time off. I know this is the time I need to put the interviews and like, yes, but do we have the time to make sure they're up and running and can actually start to deliver stuff? Like, but if you don't have that time, we don't need to hire five people. Because yeah. they would like stand and wait. So I think like to also continue to build on that and then take care of other people who has been here maybe like for three years, like make sure that they have somewhere to keep on climbing the mountain top. I think there are like more building blocks than to just like, wow, we nailed the employee branding or we nailed the recruitment part. The growth has to continue. What would you say you know this time around that you wish you knew? Yeah in the previous scaling yeah i think that's one of the things like how do we also focus on 
in my previous job, we worked with a hundred day plan, which I really work, worked and I, and, and I liked it a lot. Like, so you get pretty structured plan for your first hundred days. And then we follow up and we understand, like, do we need to twist it? Has anything changed? And most of these in this super rapid tempo, I think they were up and running before the 100 days. Mm-hmm. And then you have, like, wow, I'm already at day 100, at day 60. That makes right. you feel good. You have this plan. So I think to focus on that, I bring with me. And then I think I learned a lot about, like, one of the keystones of, of building that good trust and psychological safety mm. is clarity and communication around right. that. And I think I think I really take that with me. Yeah. That moving from that, you know, you're 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 20 people around one table and you can see each other. It's like, okay, when that changes, you have to be more clear around things like what expectations do I have on you? When we talk about performance, what do I mean? So I think that I take with me, like, I think that makes us a more like safe environment because you know, like, it's easier to talk about like, okay, this is our salary philosophy. Mm. If that's out there and transparent, we can talk about it. We might not agree, we can talk about it. Instead of like, someone told someone and someone knows the founder. I think that's one of the learnings that I, I, I bring with me. Really very thoughtful or very good points. And I love the 100 day plan. We do something similar, but maybe actually less structured. So we have like ramping targets for all roles. So during your first month, what is it that you have to accomplish after like three months, after five months? And then depending on what type of role it is, we, um, you know, we see the onboarding either as like a six month process or even a nine month process for our uh, engineering team. Uh, and then it's like you have like an expectation meeting with your manager, like your first week to really like nail it. But I love yeah. the uh, super clarity, like a hundred day plan can create. Like who owns the plan? Is it the employee or the manager or or is it HR? Good question. It's not HR. Right. <laughs> uh, but I would say that I want to push it that it's owned by the employee. And I think that's kind of like my approach to when it comes to performance development that I really believe it should be employee driven and owned by the employee and then the manager gives feedback and coaches so Mm. a lot of the times my experience at least is that managers are kind of just put in the managerial role with the expectation of already being good at certain things like coaching for example or hiring yeah exactly or hiring (laughs) but what do you do to kind of enable the managers to be able to be I mean with the the recruitment it sounds like I mean you're divvying up the responsibilities you're involving a lot of people but in terms of teaching them how to how to coach how to actually enable that growth within the individuals on their teams we're not there yet I think uh, from now we are what you just described like your mentor go ahead <laughs> Which is super common. <laughs> learning yeah, by burning. Learning by burning, exactly. But it's on my to-do list. I think the process I want to go through is for us to kind of like first understand, okay, the culture, the values yeah. that we have, can we clarify them as I talked about before? Like, what mm. does it really look like when we have a really me- good meeting? Like, what do we do in that meeting that makes it really good? Or to kind of like define that. Mm. I think that's one so we Mm. know like what makes us successful 
And then if we want to package it like values or guiding principles or behaviors, I don't know. But mm. I think that's the first step that we need to do because we have grown so fast. And then to look at like, okay, what kind of leadership do we need to support these behaviors? And after that, I think we can build the different blocks with like, okay, then we need to learn more about coaching or we need to learn more right. about group dynamics. Mm. But I do think that we have to understand like, what does good leadership look for us in this yeah. part of the journey? And yeah. I think that changes also so much. Mm. Uh, and, and just to echo that, I, there's actually um, studies showing that if you investigate what the leaders need and then incorporate that then you get a lot better like effect from the initiative or like the development yeah. program or something like that it sounds like you're uh, backed by science on that one <laughs> good that feels good yeah, yeah. But I think one thing that i think a lot about is also like I think it's really good to have some side of like common trainings because you also build that yeah. community of leaders but I also do think that taking some of the investment from like a training program to put an individual coaching for mm. the manager could be the right way to go. Because yeah. sometimes, you, you know, you buy these massive leadership programs and they're really good. But then, you know, for someone it's right and for someone it's not. And if you would yeah. take that money and say like, hey, you get to your own personal coach and you get to meet them 10 times. Maybe yeah. that would be an even more efficient way to get that person up and running. So yeah. that's one thought that I have. Like with the collective intelligence here, set the basics yeah. together and mm. then invest in coaching instead. I really like that. And I think because it's all about, you know, getting the people to do the behaviors, right? It's so easy. And I think like if we relate it back to recruitment as well, and like, as you said, to have a if you're a manager, you need all of a sudden you have to do a bunch of things and mm. people are yeah. expecting you to know stuff. I think it's both like how to coach, how to run meetings, how to hire. Yeah. And we send people on on some sort of training and it might help. It might not. But the really important thing that we want to create is like different types of behaviors. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was one thing because, I mean, we're also on like this scaling journey. Uh, we have gone from 20 to 80 in like a year and a half. And I think what we realized was the people that have been there for longer, like they have certain skills because they've grown those. And, you know, I don't know, they, they kind of speak the um, internal values very well and have those type of behaviors because they have been part of building it. And then we have like more junior leadership positions that have like, you know, the first leadership position they've ever had. And then they are going to hire. I think yeah. one like mistake that, me and my team did was that we expected everyone to understand what was expected of them. Yeah. Uh, and even if, you know, oh, it's in our playbook, it's written down on Notion. Yeah, but people didn't read that, Linnea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's one of those things that we are like focusing on now. Yeah. How can we scale that like knowledge, that know-how and understanding, I guess. I really like, like if you put people together to solve problems together. Yeah. Um, that would also be one way instead of like me having a session with the manager talking yeah. about coaching and giving them like coaching exercise that everyone is a bit uncomfortable to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, you have this in your team. Let's yeah. gather five together in a room and problem solve. Yeah. That could be yeah. also one way of, of doing like the, the manager training sessions. Love that. That's a really good, really good tip actually. Yeah, it is. 
in your past experience on how how much have managers been involved in like the recruitment but also the coaching of employees and things like that have that been different from where you are now I think I've been unfortunate to work in in organizations with really good people and good managers I think it depends also a lot about like where you are in your own self-development when you step into a manager role like how mm. self-aware am I how do I work do have I control of my triggers do I know what my drivers are for me that's like the basic it's like how far are you up in the self-awareness will make mm-hmm. you do different things in your leadership. If you find your your driver for being a leader, am I here to develop people or am I here to actually develop the function I'm in? That's my right. key driver. Right. And then you can like, if you land in that, you can get the right tools. Because I think I end up there a lot of times where I find brilliant people and they're like, yeah, but my main goal is to build this function. I mm-hmm. love that. I'm not super interested in like digging into each person. You might be maybe more of like a, a function lead or a project manager. Like, yeah. How do you help those people? I think that like really circles back to like, how do we retain people? We have tried to really make a big deal out of like, okay, you can be a manager and there's like a manager path, but you can also yeah. be like a specialist and there's a specialist path and that should be just as rewarding rewarded and just as I don't know cool I guess because I think that's some misconception is that you can only make a career if you get a leadership position I totally agree but I do struggle sometimes with how do we actually show that like okay you can show it uh, with incentment the compensation part but you tend also to kind of like okay we, we talk about manager training now we don't talk about specialist training. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, and I think also kind of like when you do your your big decisions, it's kind of, yeah, are there managers around the table or do we bring in yeah. a specialist? So I struggle sometimes to mm. really make that happen, but I think mm. that's the way to go. It's easy in theory, but then like the constant pull to focusing yeah. on the manager yeah. is so strong. Yeah. Uh, because it's also like to some extent I see that as a lot like a, my tool like okay how can I help the organization well I have to do that yeah. through managers mm-hmm. and then my focus end up being on them and so yeah I think yeah. Um, when you solve it give me a call <laughs> <laughs> exactly but it feels like yeah. a mind shift that a lot of organizations are going through too where yeah. it's kind of how do we utilize the talent that we have internally yeah. whether those people are yeah. in management or not one thing we have done that I'm actually like quite happy uh, that we took that decision was so our our internal like leadership program is for leaders, not managers. Meaning that if you are like a specialist in some way, I have said like as many specialists as actual managers in that the, the current group right now. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're not you know, responsible for leading people uh, on paper, you're still leading people in a specialist yeah. Um, yeah. specialist role. And I think going back to what you said in the beginning to with like always have that clear purpose mm-hmm. that it might be like, okay, now we have a labor law session for managers. It's not that important if you're a product manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you talk about coaching, then it might be more people that's exactly. kind of like, okay, that's for me. Maybe that's a good way to go. Yeah. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, speaking of retention, a lot of companies are struggling with retaining retaining people right now, right? Yeah. Which puts a lot of pressure yeah. on the team to then recruit new people. But I mean, 
if you focus on coaching for employees uh, in general, not just managers, but of course, that's a really important segment to not lose as well. Then I'm guessing also that retaining people would be a lot easier too, because they feel that like sincerity and like their growth and what they can do for the organization. Anna, going back to what you talked about earlier of like how you have changed your recruitment process, what has like historically been the most challenging part of your recruitment process? It's actually the focus or the discipline to mm. stick to this. One very smart TA said like, structure is the enemy of bias. <laughs> Which is really like. Yeah. But it's, is structure fun? No, it's not. <laughs> it's my you favorite want thing. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's that's the struggle like everyone knows again in theory like yes I want to take a data informed decision I Mm. understand that's the best I understand this way to go but then in the moment you're stressed and you take a coffee with someone it's like I really like this person stick to it be resilient like Mm. let's test this now for a year and we can Mm. evaluate take better decisions yeah. I love that. Like to test something for like a longer period of time, yeah. not just like, let's test this for one process because technically there's so many yeah. things that can go wrong and right. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be just pure luck. Mm. And if, the, if that has been your like biggest challenge, what would you say is like the best feature of your current or the, the process yeah. that you're now building? What, what are you most proud yeah. of? As we haven't launched it yet, I really don't know what's going to fly the most. But I do like that we're switching from like, okay, focus on ZV and maybe references to yeah. like, almost like, how do we screen at the good way? How do we put focus on that? How do we put focus on, on the candidates? Mm-hmm. So maybe that like, we give them tools to do an easy mindset shift. And what tools are you planning to use to reduce the focus on the CV? We're having tests, both like personality, logic, if we feel that that is a fit. And then for mm. a lot of roles, we have more skill tests, like mm, uh, nice. for, for in the tech department that we can use early on to understand, okay, you have done all this, but is it a fit with this competence? Mm. That will help a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think as always to push the organization to use them earlier in the process than you think. Right. I think that's interesting because, I mean, we obviously use tests (laughs) at the beginning of the process as well. But that fact of like skill tests, we always do cases, but we do them quite late in the process because I think it's such a tug of war between like how much can you demand from a candidate. It would be brilliant if you can just like, could we do a short version of the the cases earlier to just have that? Yeah. That would be really cool. Like, you know, could you do that in a digital environment maybe right. or we actually tried to have yeah. those like mini cases for uh, like some of the marketing positions we ran so both for like a content writer and like social media we did a mini case where you spend like 30-ish minutes very early in the process so the candidates would apply do our psychometric assessments mm. they then got to do this like mini case meant like and that meant like any candidate we then met for an interview we knew like okay you are a good writer that was like one of the most efficient processes we've ever ran Mm. Uh, but it's so much harder like okay what's the version of that for a sales role when we do it in the best way is 
when we really make sure that like these are the competencies and skills that right. we want to update and we know that we do that in the test. Starting from the job description and yeah. then letting mm-hmm. that yeah. be part of all of it. And also maybe think a little bit about like what is a good way of solving mm-hmm. this case and, and what's warning flags because that would probably tell me that it's not a match with this competence to think about that mm-hmm. before. Like what mm, That's good good answer and the bad answer look like I think that's a really good thought process before you go into evaluating case Anna thank you so so much for joining us today and for sharing all your knowledge and expertise we look forward to having you back on the podcast when you've actually implemented this process we look forward to I know both Nind and you are excited to follow up and see how things are going and what feedback you're getting too (laughs) I can talk another hour I have so many more questions I know me too (laughs) but thank you so much for joining us Anna and we'll see you next time on the next episode yeah thank you so much